Welcome back to the Sober Grind Podcast, where we help you better understand addiction, recovery, sobriety, and really just how to have an awesome life. My name is Austin, and I'm joined with my co-host, Pej. Today's episode is going to be about emotional sobriety. What does that mean, and do you have it? Find out. Let's go. So in 2007, Daniel got sober on June 21st. I got sober on June 16th. We're June babies. And we both just celebrated 12 years of sobriety last month. Nothing good was happening in 2007. No, it's a press. Well, that was the end of like a lot of really excitement. The drugs stopped working. Yeah, a lot of a lot of drug dealers <laughs> and bars went out of business That's in right. 2007. The streets became safer, <laughs> the dealers became poorer, and there was one less car of homelessness on the streets of Costa Mesa because I finally went and got help. But they finally took my picture off the wall at post offices. I was no longer wanted. <laughs> I, I saw it on there last <laughs> week. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Hi, how are you doing, Austin? Good. So today we're talking about Facebook land, the Facebook. We're talking about uh, emotional sobriety today, correct? Oh wow! We were just talking about that over lunch. That's right. That's so a good go topic. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. That's the topic. Today's yeah. emotional sobriety. That's what we want to talk about. So let's just jump in, Pej. First and foremost, what does emotional sobriety actually mean to you? Well, I mean, it depends. It could mean a lot of different things. I think a lot of people when they get sober, have to feel their emotions, the very things that they were probably using and drinking over in the first place to numb out and they didn't know how to process their feelings a lot of times. So speaking from my own personal experience, like, you know, some drugs are stimulants, some drugs are depressants. So if I'm a depressed fool, sometimes a depressant will definitely help overcome the depression by helping me numb out, like heroin, opiates, these were a few of my favorite things. But definitely like, I also like to stimulate my mind. So I did a lot of uppers, you know, like meth, coke, uh, ecstasy, ecstasy. I mean, that one lived up to his name because, you know, nothing like being full of bliss. And so I love to do a lot of ecstasy. But unfortunately, the problem with ecstasy is whenever I would do it, I would, uh, the come down was really, really hard. And then I would have those days mm. where I was totally depressed and where I thought I was actually going to want to kill myself. And, and that was like, you know, every two. So I would party from Friday till Sunday. Monday was my come down day. Tuesday was my straight up suicidal ideation day. Like the thought of killing myself was all throughout the day. I just didn't even want to be alive anymore. And I think um, one of the big misconceptions, one of the big misconceptions is folks think, well, the, the moment I stopped drinking and doing drugs, all this anxiety, depression, panic, um, all the hate, all the things that I felt for my family, whatever it is that you're holding on to, is going to be immediately gone. And when it doesn't, I think people get a little, I know it happened to me, I felt a little cheated. I'm like, did I get sober for this? Like, I'm still hurting. I still don't like my dad. I still hate my grandmother, whatever it is. And I think we need to talk about the process of working through those emotions and feelings. Otherwise, you're just going to bounce back into it or find some other thing to be addicted to. Most definitely. Yeah, that's that's a great point you brought up. I mean, so, uh, most of the time, a lot of the underlying issues are, are what leads you to addiction in the first place. So it's so important to actually recognize a lot of that. So Daniel, yes. for you, um, after you got sober, what were some of the things that you did to really work on uh, your emotional sobriety and, and deal with some of these underlying issues that were still affecting you, even though that you were 
sober. Well, interesting enough, again, we were just talking about this over lunch. Uh, mm -hmm. The first, I'm 12 years in, um, I moved to California in 2009. In 2012 is when I started really my spiritual journey and, and just bettering myself and being more in touch. Uh, you and I have, have worked on this, uh, Austin. Uh, yeah. I'm chakra and aligning myself and, and finding out what's, it doesn't work for everybody, but it worked for me. But in the beginning, in 2007, uh, after rehab, I I didn't have the proper tools. I did everything that I, I did everything to keep me off of drugs and alcohol, but did nothing to connect with myself. I was a workaholic. I, I immediately got into a relationship and started making him my priority. Uh, I focused on my career more than anything else. Uh, which is not a bad thing, except it over it, it took over yeah. everything. Uh, and then I moved to California. Uh, once I broke up with my boyfriend and he ended up going back to Texas, I really had to sit down and focus. I went through about a six-month depression state where I really didn't want to do anything. And I, this is a story. I went out, I live in Laguna Beach, and when I finally stepped out of my apartment and went out to the beach and saw how beautiful it was, and that there were people from all over the, over the world visiting. I thought, what an idiot. Your backyard is so gorgeous and you're stuck in your apartment. And, and there is when I started really going, what is it that I'm holding on to that's keeping me sad, that's keeping me depressed, that keeps me anxious? And there started my work with, with energy and oracle cards and becoming a Reiki master. Uh, now... God bless that I can tap into the different chakras and go, oh, that's where the fear is coming from. That's where the anxiety is coming from. I haven't spoken my truth, so that's where that is coming from. But it took some work and a lot of bumps and, and a lot of, what well, was those 60-hour, uh, 80-hour weeks that you're so exhausted yeah. that you just sleep, but you're not dealing with yourself, and that's not good. Gotcha. And and how about you, Pej, as well? Hi, Susan. I see you down there. It looks like James Coco is watching as well. Hey, James. Hi, hi everyone Coco. else that's watching. I miss you. So, okay, so as far as I go. So, so Pej, yeah. Go so ahead. This is my own personal experiences is that I had to recognize what my deep-rooted traumas were. I believe that a lot of people that are in sobriety come in with a lot of trauma. You know, I, I've seen this firsthand. So some people have sexual trauma. Some, some people have... Uh, physical abuse, verbal abuse, certain upbringings. I know that me personally, I, I was raised in a, in a very volatile home and lifestyle. You know, like there was a lot mm -hmm. of madness in the house and, and that didn't really, I mean, it made me more curious to seek out drugs and to escape. But then down the line, I had a very traumatic incident that happened that, um, that pretty much defined me. And I went throughout life holding on to that and feeling a lot of pain and anguish and remorse and sadness because somebody's life was uh, lost as a result of me and driving a car uh, one morning uh, when I was on my way to school. Um, they didn't die right away, but they were taken off of life support. And after that, I was just you know, masking all of my emotions and pains with drugs and alcohol. So, so when I first got sober, sort of like, this is like a common theme that I see with a lot of addicts. And we just heard um, Daniel talk about it. And this happened for me too. Like when I first went to rehab, it was great. Like I had all these awakenings and everything was really cool. And I was like 
waking up to life and I realized how absent I was to all the beautiful things that life had to offer. But then when I had to go out into the, in the big world <laughs> on my own and not have the treatment center as my, like my security blanket, I remember like being in this apartment, I was renting a room and I would sometimes like just think, I don't wanna go out in the world today. Like I'm full of fear. I would rather just stay here underneath my blanket all day long and not have to face the world. But I knew I had some responsibilities. So I had to go out and do, you know, I had to go out and do life. But on top of that, I had to do the deep rooted work that goes into recovery. So a lot of people do different types of work. Some people see psychologists, some people see a therapist, some people do spiritual practices, some people do yoga, some people do the 12 steps. I myself was a very, I was very oriented with the 12 step world. I was, it had become my daily routine. And so when I was going and I was doing it, like it was really cool, but like going to the 12 step world and just sitting inside of it but not doing the work is like sitting outside of a restaurant really hungry and just watching people like hung, like people walk in and go and eat, but you're not eating, right? So it's like, I yeah. had to do the work and I had to put pen to paper and I had to do a lot of writing and I had to delve deep into my past and see like how I was raised, where I was raised, all the anger, all the resentments, all the remorse, all the worries, all the, all the shame and the guilt and everything that I felt I had like, I felt like God had dealt me a bad hand basically, right? <laughs> so all throughout my life, like I had all the, I was taught to be a judging person because I was judged. I was taught to be a, like a critical person because I was critical, you know, like that, my mom was that way. My mom, my dad was that way. There was a lot of criticism, you know, I was my own worst critic. And so what happened was people that worked with me, they not only did they show, they put a mirror in front of me and showed me like who I was and who I was not, but also they empowered me to be the best version of myself. And that's what, you know, I live yeah. for that. And so also they taught me that now that you're learning about yourself, you go out into the world and you show other people how to do that too, so that you can keep on carrying a message of hope and showing people that you are worth it. You know, when I go and I talk to people, I'm not trying, I don't feel like when I go and like, let's say for example, talk in front of all the students inside of a high school, I don't go there to help them. I go there and they help me. Because they, some of the questions some of these high school kids ask you about like, you know, the curiosity of, a, of an adolescent and, or of like a young adult, they ask you these questions, you're just like, wow, I'm floored that you would ask me something like that. And, and just, you know, and let me tell you my experience. And when you can share your experience with people, in my world, that's doing God's work. And the more that I do that, the more yeah. that my spirit is in, enlivened and I'm doing like, I'm, I'm in good spirits. Like I don't wake up depressed anymore. You know, I don't wake up to like, I don't have anxiety anymore. I'm not, there's no fear of the unknown. I live in the present moment. I have a friend that would often say, I don't have bad days. I may have bad moments, but I don't like, just because, just That's because great. you had a bad moment, you know, just because, what, what is the saying? Um, just because you had a bad five minutes doesn't mean you had to milk it all day long, right? So it's like, I don't, I don't really, things are, <laughs> things are good, you know, like I'm in good spirits. I have a really good day. And I do, I, I enjoy, I don't have, like, when it comes to emotional sobriety, I'm in good spirits. I know everyone, I'm not perfect either. Every once in a while, some shit will, I mean, some crap will happen. Whoops, we're on live. <laughs> some crap will happen or something will get under my yeah. skin and I may act out. But that's the imperfection of humanity. I, I have imperfections. And I can always try to be a better person. That's great. And both of you do tremendous work. Uh, I, I've known both of you for, for several years now. Both of you speak and, and talk about your experiences in front of many people and, and share your experience uh, and hope. Uh, and I think it's absolutely amazing. As uh, one particular uh, story that you told 
at the uh, UCI event that we had last year uh, regarding that one incident that you just mentioned uh, kind of defined you. I, I was hoping that you could uh, briefly uh, share that where they had you uh, kind of go through a reenactment of those events. Um, right. That story was so, really, really powerful and stood out. And I, I was wondering if you could, if you wanted to, to explain what yeah. that was like for you okay. as well. So obviously, you know, I was a normal high school kid to a certain extent, somewhat normal. You know, there was a lot of turmoil within the house, but I had finally gotten my driver's license. I was 17 years old. It was a year late, but it finally, like I was excited to get this car. I had this Volkswagen bug. I put all my friends into it. The music was blaring. We were just having a nice October morning. Everyone was just driving to school and out of nowhere, um, this kid came in front of my car, the, then his body went over the hood of my car into the windshield. The windshield shattered. The car kept rolling. It crashed into another van, and the kid's body was flung over the van head first. And he didn't die right away, but his mom took him off of life support about four days later from, like, a lot of brain injuries. Like, he would have been, you know, he wouldn't have ever been normal again. He wouldn't have been able to, he was, he would have been crippled, you know. So I carried that pain around with me for a long time. So when I was in rehab, I told my counselor, like, this is what I've been carrying around for all these years, and I'm ready. He said, are you ready to let it go? And I said, absolutely. I said, what do we do? He said, we're going to do this thing that we do called a psychodrama. So, like, we, they basically, they, they reenact and relive the, day, the worst day of your life, your biggest trauma. So they put this kid on the ground. They put a, a bed sheet over his body, and they had me walk around the room and relive that day and talk about it in detail, the way the air was. The, the water on the ground from the rain from the night before, the feel, what song was playing on the, on the car stereo, How, who was in the car, what were we doing, who was laughing, where was everyone sitting, where was everyone positioned. And then finally, like, we got to the point where the actual accident happened and the, the sound of the impact of his body hitting the car and then the car crashing into another car and his body being flung over the top, but us not being able to see it because the windshield was shattered and then getting out of the car and walking around and seeing him face down. I'm reliving this stuff and I'm just pouring tears yeah. and pouring tears. And I'm just like, wow, I didn't know I have this much pain backed up inside of my head over all these years. And this is why I've been using and drinking. And then going in the act of like getting on my knee and they put the kid on the ground. So there's another kid there, right? They, he was representing the corpse of the kid and they put a sheet over his vice and they put my hand on top and said, you're, you're now talking to the soul of the kid that you hit. How do you feel about him losing his life? And I said, I don't feel like I've never been able to feel because I, I'm just remorseful. I'm sad. I'm so sorry you lost your life. Talk to him. So just I talked to him. I told the kid, I wish this would have never happened. How do you feel about your life? What happened to your life? I said, my life? Well, I haven't had a life, man. Like, I don't know what having a life is like. He said, okay, so what do you want to do? You want to make a commitment to have a life? I said, absolutely. What do you want to do? I want to commit to helping every single addict, alcoholic of every age, race, creed, and color one day at a time for the rest of my life. And then the man put his hand on my shoulder and said, so you're making a commitment. This is a big deal. Are you truly ready to commit? I said, I'm absolutely ready to commit. And I kid you not, the next morning I woke up, I felt like a thousand pounds were lifted off of my back. And I told myself in that moment that this is your turning point. This is where you make a decision to go above and beyond and take your recovery by the horns and just do this thing. Like, do this thing like your life depends on it. And I kept to my word. I, you know, I, It wasn't even a, a matter of me wanting to let my family down, my mom down, or my counselor down, or my sponsor down, anything like that. I didn't want to let myself down. Like, I just didn't yeah. I had to do this for myself. And that's where Thank I, you. I learned to empower myself and make, make me happy in my recovery. And 
for the most part, my emotional sobriety is very good. You know, I, I can't explain. It's, it's indescribable how good life is. But I have, I'm surrounded by a host of friends that we share the same feelings about life. There's, depression was a thing of the past. I feel like depression is self-manufactured a lot of times. It's because we think we're thinking too much about what we want or what we don't have. And so we get stuck in those morbid thoughts. And I don't, you know, I'm, have, I'm grateful for everything I have. And I'm grateful for everything I don't have. Thank you so much for so much sharing that. Cotton mouth. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for sharing that story, Pej. It's, it's so powerful. It was so powerful the, the first time I heard you tell it. it it's, it's truly stuck with me, and I, I'm happy you were able to share it with our audience. Uh, as we wrap down here, I want to ask you both one uh, final question. Uh, Daniel, what is one piece of advice that you could offer to listeners to improve their emotional sobriety? Um, I think the best piece of, of advice or suggestion that I can give is, uh, I'm gonna take off of what something that Pesh just said. Do things for you. Something that you'll be proud of. Because I hear a lot, I wanna make my parents proud, I wanna make this. But people, other people have their lives. And 90% of the time, they don't care what you're doing. It's about your sobriety is yours. You're getting clean and sober for you. And, but in order to achieve that, I mean, I, in the 12 years, I'm not gonna say, again, I'm not perfect. Uh, and there's been a lot of health issues that have helped me get into really bad mental states. So that said, cancer aside, I have confronted myself. I confronted- Oh, we both had cancer, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's another episode. We both beat um, cancer. Yeah. But I, I, I mentally and spiritually <laughs> confronted my bullies because they can't control my life anymore. That's right. I confronted yeah. my feelings of abandonment to my parents. Uh, my parents have, my mom has Alzheimer's. My dad has dementia. So I, I can't speak to them anymore. So I had to just let it go. All those fears of inadequacy. I didn't finish college. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And I, at some point, you just got to forgive yourself. And in the spiritual practices is, is the letter writing. You write a letter on one side uh, asking for an apology to yourself, saying, hey, I apologize for this. And on the reverse side, you forgive yourself. You say, I forgive you because of that. We got to this point where you were talking about it's like the, the good side of, of like what was not meant to be. So you apologize to yourself and then you forgive yourself and then you can move forward. Because as long as you carry, it's like carrying rocks to the river. It's a, they, it's a, it's a Spanish saying, it's like you don't carry rocks to the river. No lleves piedras al rio. So it's like, why bring more crap? Life is already going to be hard enough. You got sober to stop worrying about the things that you can't control. Mm -hmm. So stop trying to control them and just pay attention to the things now. And I think my biggest advice would be that. First of all, especially if you are in rehab, it's a perfect place to let go of stuff because you can leave rehab and leave all that behind. Let somebody else clean it up. If you're not in rehab, uh, find somebody. And, and if you're not part of the steps, just, just do that. Let go of that stuff. And if you are doing the steps, do it thoroughly. I promise it would help. Um, I live 
I live a great life. When I sit down and look at it, I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful, but I'm human and I'm Mexican. So I always wanna try, I always wanna find something wrong with my day. But when I sit down at the end of the day and I meditate and I look at my day, um, I, I, I'm really amazed at how great God and the universe are. And in the morning when I start with that clean canvas, it, it's the, op, the possibilities are infinite. So I guess two points, start your day with a clean canvas and you can paint it any color you want. Hi Rod. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, Daniel. Hi Daniel. Hi Rod, hi Daniel, Danielle. Thank you everyone so much for, for tuning in to another episode of, of Sober Grind. This was a blast. Daniel, thank you so much for, for joining us again. Uh, hopefully we'll do, we got to sit down. We got to do like an hour long one so we can actually get deep into stuff and not just scratch the surface. But Daniel, well, uh, tell our today. viewers and our listeners uh, a little bit about what you go, uh, got going on. Uh, I know you have a great podcast that I was on before. Uh, what do you have going on that you'd like to uh, share? Yes, we have a dog. Um, <laughs> we're, we're together now. We have a dog now. No, um, actually, I will. I will put the links to both podcasts because both you and Pesh have been on my show. So I will show this. You guys, whoever is watching now, you need to listen to this. Not because it's my show, but because it's their story and it's amazing. Uh, so we got more podcasts coming out. We've surpassed two fifty. We're near two sixty now. It's amazing. Um, Yes, and what's it Google called? It. It's it's put it it's the put, put it, it together. together podcast. It's put it together yeah. podcast. You can Google it, find it. It's in all the social medias. Don't uh, you have something new too called conversations? Yes, we have a new series called Conversations, where my guests that have been on the podcast get to come back to the show, and we have a live feed where guests can ask uh, viewers can ask questions, and my guests get to ask. I mean, get to bring up the topic. So Pej and I are going to get together and do another episode of that. But you can go and find those on awesome. YouTube too. Go to YouTube and you can find all the conversations that I've had so far. Um, How do they find it? What do they type oh, in? Oh, uh, Daniel G. Garza. Go find Daniel G. Daniel G. Garza. On YouTube and you will find... This is the real the one right here. Thank you. I love him. And uh, and then the Reiki stuff. We're still working on, on Reiki and putting out some shows on that. Um, yeah. We have a great video. That Daniel I Daniel is a, is a Reiki master, everyone. Uh, I had the pleasure of, of uh, having him do a Reiki session on me about a year ago. Uh, I put it up on, uh, on one of my YouTube channels, and that video, ha it's growing every day. It has about 12,000 views so far. Uh, you could probably just type in uh, Reiki Master on YouTube, and you'll find the video. It's awesome. It's the entire Reiki session, and he takes you through it. So check that out. That's an awesome video. Um, yeah. Thank you again, everyone. Don't say anything. I hardly say anything in that video, and I think that's why it's a hit. Because people, people, people just love that that subject matter. It's mm -hmm. it's a hit, man. You're a hit. You're a star. Uh, I love you too, everyone, man. thanks again. If uh, if you like this podcast, if you learned something new today, if it was meaningful for you, we would love for you to write us a review on iTunes. Uh, it really helps. It helps us spread more positivity and reach more people online. And if you didn't like it, still leave us a review. We want to know how we can improve this podcast as well. We want to make it the best recovery podcast out there for you. Thank you so much. Share this video. Tag a friend. Join our Thank Facebook you. group. We have a Facebook group called Sober Grind as well. It's a recovery-oriented podcast. Thank you, Pej. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. See you next Thank time. You. Sober Grind out.